Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello, and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and we have a great podcast today, episode 26, featuring uh, John Crossman, president of Crossman and Company, headquartered here where I live in Orlando, but they have um, uh, an extensive presence across the Southeast U.S. and all across Florida, of course. Uh, so we're going to get to that uh, interview in just a moment. Um, first, I just want to remind you uh, to subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening for the first time, uh, just go to your podcast app on your iPhone or, or Stitcher on your Android device. And uh, look for Agents of Innovation, uh, subscribe, and then every time that we have a new episode, you'll get the uh, immediate alert when it is available. We interview philanthropists, artists, and entrepreneurs like John Crossman today, and we have both an entrepreneur and a philanthropist in John. Uh, We also um, encourage you to go to iTunes and write a review of this podcast, whether it's this particular episode or just the podcast in general. That really helps uh, move it up and uh, get more people listening um, and uh, just some interest in this. And uh, so I encourage you to be my marketing department and uh, really uh, uh, appreciate that. Also, if you're on Facebook, uh, go to the Facebook page, Agents of Innovation Podcast. Just type that in the search bar on Facebook and you'll find us there. And if you're on Twitter, follow us at Agent Innovation. And always appreciate any comments, tweets, whatever you want to do. We always like to interact. And then, of course, uh, we have a blog we put up for every episode uh, that is currently found um, you can actually link to the blog from the Facebook page, but it's also at franciscogonzalez.us forward slash podcast. Um, so uh, look for that. And we uh, also, at the end of this episode, uh, we have a song played by a band named Flagship Romance, uh, which we will feature uh, eventually here on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Uh, but uh, they are from Jacksonville Beach, Florida. And they, the song we're going to play today from them is called A Strange Thing. So uh, look for that at the end of the podcast. And you can also visit Flagship Romance at their website, flagshipromance.com. But we've got an exciting interview lined up and hope you're ready for it. Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, uh, my friend John Crossman, who is the president of Crossman and Company here in Orlando, Florida. And I'm here with John in his office. John, thank you, and welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thank you. Great to great to be with you. Well, John, uh, John, uh, for those of you listening, uh, he's the president of Crossman and Company, which is one of the most successful uh, commercial real estate companies in Florida. Uh, if you've been to a Publix uh, shopping center, it's very likely that it's leased out by Crossman and Company. Um, and when I met John a couple years ago, actually I was not familiar with him or Crossman and Company. And then now I see his logo everywhere as I enter shopping centers all across Florida. But they're also in many states throughout the Southeast. Uh, John, tell me how you got started here. I know you, uh, it's a family business with your brother um, and uh, a little bit of background behind Crossman and Company. Sure, uh, my brother founded the company in 1990 and um, uh, I graduated from FSU in 1993. And I went to work for a commercial real estate company that then through a series of mergers became uh, the Trammell Crow Company, 
I spent 13 years there. I was a partner there. I was the national retail spokesperson. And then 2006, I left Trimble Crow Company, bought half a craftsman and company, and my brother and I became partners. He likes to say that's when I, quote, screwed things up for him, you know. Um, and so at that time, Crossman Company was about seven employees. And uh, my brother and I really, we didn't see this coming, but a really great natural skill set match. Uh, my brother's a little bit more behind the scenes, more of an operations guy. I'm more on the institutional side, new business development. And then things kind of uh, exploded from there. And so today, we have 75 employees. We're in eight states. We have five offices. And um, it's been a wonderful experience. And what we do every day is serve our clients. So I get up every day and serve, and that's uh, been wonderful. Well, I noticed as well, um, there's been a lot written on Crossman & Company over the years with uh, your success, but also um, uh, tell me a little bit behind, behind the philosophy of how you do business and, uh, and the philosophy of the company. Sure. I mean, the big thing is pretty easy. It's servant leadership. You know, I, I try to visualize every day that I'm, I'm putting on an apron. I get up and I, I serve our clients and I serve our employees and, and we serve the industry. We got asked one time in an RFP, do we consider ourselves to be leaders in the industry? And that's kind of a hard question, because if you say yes, you kind of look maybe arrogant. If you say no, you look incompetent, right? And so I just read a book that talked about leadership as a process of influence, and even seeking to influence others as a leader. And by that definition, a mom, a coach is a leader, and by that definition, we see ourselves as a leader. We try to be leaders in the industry because we provide things that try to make the entire industry better. We have a painting in our, in our main lobby downstairs uh, that's, a, that's a waiter, and he's serving customer, you know, a, a woman and a man. And we refer to that a lot, that every day is like, that's what we're doing. We're trying to serve. And a lot, and that's all kinds of different capacities. And sometimes that's directly to making things more profitable here. Uh, but often, many times, it's trying to make the entire industry better. And sometimes that's charitable. Sometimes that's working in partnership with people like, like yourself and things you do. And uh, we take a lot of pride in that. It's, a lot, it's very satisfying as well. Well, great, John. Thank you. And um, I also noticed you do a lot in the community. Um, and by the community, I don't just mean Orlando. I see you all across the state. Uh, you mentioned before you're an alum of Florida State University, where I should let our um, listeners know you also ran track. Um, and so uh, uh, you have a, a little bit of that background, but um, you are on the boards of various uh, universities and colleges around the state, both public and private, um, including some foundation boards. Uh, tell me a little bit about your involvement there. Sure. You know, our, uh, my dad was a, a pastor and did some civil rights uh, work. And so in our household, education was always important. So that's been a big part of who we are. And that's also pushed us in some areas of diversity in education as well. Uh, so with that in mind, you know, we try to find free resources to college students who are seeking a commercial real estate. If you go to our website, we have a guide to commercial real estate. Um, we try to guest lecture whenever possible. We try to donate and raise money where we can to different universities. And you mentioned I went to FSU. I want you know, to make sure your listeners know I'm also an honorary alum from the University of Florida because uh, I've sat on a board there for 10 years. I'm on the... How did they let that happen? A I Seminole being an honorary uh, alum of, of Gator Country? Well, you know, it's funny. I, years ago, I was talking to a dean at a different university, and we are talking about ways that universities really need help. And what they need is they need people to give money, raise money, um, guest lecture, mentor students, hi, and then hire interns, hire graduates. That's what they all need. And so uh, we, when we work with universities, we try, like, try to give them that capacity. And if you do, and it doesn't sound like much, but it obviously puts you in the top 1%. So we've had a wonderful relationship with the University of Florida over the last uh, 10 plus years, served on their board and guest lecturing, things like that. I'll be speaking there in June. It's been awesome. And then, uh, you know, I've guest lecture. I'm, I'm on the foundation board at Florida A&M, 
and I'm on the business advisory board at Bethune-Cookman. Uh, we endowed the first ever real estate scholarships at both those historically black colleges. And that, again, is part of, part of our passion. So I'll say this, too. Sometimes people ask me, like, how can I get away with getting so much education work? And I always tell them what a professor told me years ago, that the students change each semester so the jokes don't have to, which just means I can give kind of the same speech over and over again, and it's still helpful. So there's ways to be very efficient when you're working with colleges, and uh, ho- hopefully we're being impactful and helping students out. Well, um, no, that sounds great. And I, uh, I think that um, it's been great to admire a lot of your work, uh, what you're doing there. Um, and I know you, um, you have a, really, a big passion also. You mentioned your dad being a, a pastor and a civil rights leader. You have a great passion for uh, sort of racial reconciliation uh, through real estate. I've heard you give uh, some talks on this. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that and maybe um, dive a little deeper into those scholarships or endowments, I should say, that you've done at Bethune-Cookman in Florida A&M. Well, sure. You know, in my world, about 20% of my family is, is biracial. And the reason why I say that is that I don't know any racist people. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of racist people out there, but in, like, in my world, I don't have anybody say anything to me that I, I feel is, is racial, things like that. In fact, most people, if you're in a conversation, seem to be very sensitive and aware. And so I'm glad we live in a generation where people seem to be more sensitive to those, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, Cinco de Mayo is coming up, and I always think people like are sensitive about how that's a Mexican thing and not a Puerto Rican thing. Or like People are more aware of stuff, I think, than maybe they were in the past. Anyway, the reason why I say that is that um, real estate, uh, the industry of real estate, is an example of institutional racism, uh, in that it was set up uh, for race and racist reasons. You know, people uh, after um, the Civil War, you know, there was a free the slaves. Well, slaves can vote, uh, but you only vote if you own land. But if you don't own land, you can't vote. So there were ways where you can control, and a lot of people don't know that. So I see us as making our income from real estate, and knowing that background, that providing real estate education is key. Um, so with that, you know, developing these strong relationships with Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman, outstanding universities who really hadn't taught real estate before. And so it started, obviously, part of it was raising the money for the scholarship, but we've also helped them establish real estate clubs at both campuses, start real estate classes at both campuses, and then create a bigger dialogue about that. In fact, uh, in 2014, I was a guest lecturer uh, at the uh, Congressional Black Caucus on the subject of historically black colleges. Um, so it's a big part of our legacy for the next level, and I think helpful as well. Great, John. And, you know, you're so involved with education and, uh, and obviously such a successful business leader. I heard you also uh, give a talk recently where uh, you discussed that you actually learned somewhat in the, the last number of years uh, that you had a learning disability. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that's affected your, uh, your life and, and the way you go about business? Oh, absolutely. I so when I got into the FSU Hall of Fame, um, yeah, we should mention that too. Uh, John's a, a, a was a, inducted into the FSU Business School Hall of Fame, right? That's that's correct. And uh, you know, I was the youngest member ever, and it was that exactly 20 years, you know, out of graduating him, I got inducted the College Business Hall of Fame. Big deal. What I didn't say uh, was is that when I graduated from FSU, I had a 2.9 GPA, and many people will say they had a 2.9 GPA and they partied all the time, they went to class. Well, the truth is, I had a 2.9 GPA, and I never missed class. And I went to every study hall, and I got every tutor I could possibly get. I earned it. That was the, but there's no way I could have got a higher GPA because I worked so hard at it. And I was always kind of ashamed of that and embarrassed. I never talked about that to anybody. And even when I got into Fisher College Business Hall of Fame, I remember really reflecting on that and having a level of embarrassment about it. Well, uh, the next year, I, I went through some uh, real serious health issues. I'm fine now, but I had to see my doctor all the time. And in one conversation with my doctor, my doctor said, John, I think you're uh, dyslexic. 
and I was stunned. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And then um, I went and took some testing, and it turns out I'm, I'm very dyslexic. And as I got pulled into it, it makes more sense to me now. And I, we moved around a lot growing up, and so changing schools were probably part of it. But all the way to kindergarten, all through college, never knew that I had dyslexia. Um, but now I know that it's been liberating, you know, because uh, I don't have to be as ashamed about some of my academic, you know, own personal struggles. And then I try to bring it up when I lecture, particularly at colleges. And I have a lot of students come up to me afterwards. I have some come up to me in tears, just sort of their own struggle with uh, learning disabilities or dyslexia. So hopefully I can help bring attention to that as well. Well, great. Well, John, uh, you've been great with young people, and you just released a book that I have here in my hands right now called Career Killers, Career Builders, the book every millennial needs to read. Um, and this book discusses uh, the top five ways professionals can end their careers and the top five ways they can avoid the most dangerous pitfalls. Uh, tell me why you wrote this book and also uh, just a little bit more about uh, what's involved with it. Absolutely. Well, about, I started doing college lectures 20 years ago, if, if you can imagine that. So as I was trying to have the perspective, I always try to perspective when I'm talking to an audience of what am I saying that's helpful to them. It's not about me, it's about what's helpful to them. And starting about 10 years ago, I was asked to give this lecture every single year uh, at the University of Florida. I was doing a similar thing at FSU as well, um, but I was trying to focus on, okay, I'm talking to these kids, they're at great universities, uh, they're clearly made a lot of right decisions to get there. What is it they really need to know? And as I kept pulling the layers back, I tried to visualize when these students are 10 years out, now they're 35, you would think every one of these college students would be doing phenomenal, but a lot of them, well, a lot of them are, but some of them are not. And so some of them end up having some major, major, major things happen to them that wreck their careers, and what can I do to try to help get in front of that? Um, I had a very dear friend of mine named James, who I mentored uh, for years, one of the most talented young men I've ever worked with. And long story short, but this past August, um, my nephew had helped him find a new job, and first day at work, he didn't show up. My nephew emailed me and said, John, Uncle, uh, Uncle John James didn't show up for work today. And we found James's body 24 hours later downtown Orlando, and he had, he had shot himself in the head. And so you, you think to yourself, like, how does somebody at 35 years old with swimming swimming zone, how does it happen? But at the same time, we might say, how does Aaron Hernandez happen? How does Bill O'Reilly happen, right? I mean, we, can, we all have all these examples over and over, whether it's personal or in the limelight of like people who have it all, they have it all and they mess up. And so this book, to me on a personal level was really trying to provide pathways and guidance to people who are so talented, helping them try to avoid the things that could really mess them up. That's the rule. And so there, there's some big things in here, um, as you mentioned. You know, any anything from uh, from drugs and alcohol to greed, pride, all sorts of uh, uh, things. Uh, and then you've got career builders, um, things like finding mentors, uh, building, you know, having strong relationships, uh, seeking professional bounce, counseling, becoming coachable, uh, building connections. Uh, tell me, um, I know you just kind of give a quick outline, but uh, what are some of the things you've kind of learned in your life that that brought you maybe some examples here um, without maybe getting too personal, but the uh, uh, of 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 ways you maybe maybe people you've seen in the workplace, whether uh, peers or, or or people working under you, um, that that you've seen some career killers or or ways people can be uh, really build their career. Right. Well, uh, first off, one of the things I want to be is vulnerable, and I, I mean I hope anybody listen to this if they want to email me or call me and and chat and talk, I'm happy to, and, I, and I, I really want to, I want to be as vulnerable as I can, and I try to give that away so that it can be helpful to people. Um, and to answer your question, it's funny, is that um, 
I've, I've had a lot of great moments of success in my career, um, and I've had equal times, and some of the same time, I've had moments of tremendous sadness and, and grief and things I'm trying to deal with. I went through a study a few years ago, I have a men's group that meets, and we did a book called um, The Voice of the Heart, and it was really about emotions. And one of the chapters, it talks about uh, sad, and it just, one of the things in the homework, it said, write out the top 10 saddest things that ever happened to you. And I couldn't write one. And I struggled with that because I, I didn't really understand sadness. As weird as that sounds, I didn't understand it. And so I went and actually saw a professional counselor and kind of unpacked that a little bit. And so I'll tell you something about myself personally. I think that my addiction, a lot of people have addiction issues, like my addiction was, was work in a way. And that when something sad would happen to me on a personal level, instead of processing that and crying and journaling and doing healthy things to deal with that, I just doubled down on my work. And I, I'll tell you that a lot of times, if you ever see people that are really successful, you will often find a, a, a root that goes to somewhere of pain that kind of created that. And so for me, people are like, oh gosh, and he's had a lot of accomplishments, which is, which is great, but some of the reasons why I've had accomplishments is because I wasn't dealing with the things I needed to do in my own, own life, which is just sadness, sadness of my youth, my past, you know, any number of issues. And so I had to learn how to process that. And part of those ways is, you know, seeing professional counseling to help learn them. And then the longer term ways are having relationships with people that you are safe and you're vulnerable with and you can help deal with your feelings. Well, John, I, uh, speaking of that, I notice uh, you, you know, you're a very successful businessman, obviously. Um, you just described sometimes maybe being a workaholic on some, on some occasions. But, uh, but I do know you make a lot of time for your own family. You have a wife and two daughters. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, some, I actually, you live in my. I live in your neighborhood now. Right. I moved. I moved here about a little over a year ago, and found myself in John Crossman's neighborhood. So once in a while, I do see you out and about. But um, uh, tell me a little bit about you know the light, the sort of work life balance, or maybe it should be the life work balance, um, uh, and how you uh, um, do that with and also maintain a, a you know a, a great business here. Sure. Well, balance is very tough. I, I always talk about in my life. I have uh, my daughters, my wife, my faith exercise and work those five things and I can usually get like four of those five going really well at any good time but it's hard to go five to five the honest answer as far as how I balance that out is is the following is one um, I try to have really firm boundaries and what that means is like I, I really try to be very rare very selective if I'm out at night or if I'm on weekends like this last weekend uh, you know I had nothing on the calendar and my wife you know, she, she and the kids, whatever we want to do. We went and saw Beauty and the Beast last night. It's very good, by the way. Yeah, I saw it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. And we had a really nice, nice time seeing that together and then talking about it. So we have, you know, those times together. Um, so the boundary part is key. The second thing is there's less of me. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I have this belief that if you add anything major in your life, you have to take something major out of your life. And so I love college football. Like if I had my dream scenario, I would, I would wake up at 9.45 on a Saturday morning, watch ESPN game day, and then watch 12 hours of football. Um, or better yet, you know, go to football games every weekend, right? Um, but since my daughters have been born, um, I've seen one full football game in 13 years. And, it, and, I, and, I, and I, by the way, I never watch that much football. It's rare that I see an hour of it on a, on a Saturday. Well, do I love football? Of course I do. Um, it's just that right now I'm in a season where my daughters need me, my wife needs me, and, and that's what I'm focused on. And, I, and my advice to people is sometimes like, hey, if you're a big-time golfer, you may need to take off out of your life for a season, or you're a big-time hunter, you might take that out of your life for a season, or, or whatever it is you got going on. I think it's, an, it's, it's wise to remove some things out to make room for the bigger things. Um, and it's a daily balance. It's hard, right? It's hard. 
Uh, the other side is I really try to include my, particularly my kids, but my wife, kids, in my work. And a lot of times I've been places, and you've been with me, where I've brought my daughters with me. And I think it's good for them as far as being interacting, and it gives us more time together. It gets them to know me better. Um, I would have, How old are your daughters now? Yeah, they're 11 and 13, almost 12. I got 11 is almost 12. But uh, we talk a lot, and I try to I try to be very vulnerable with them. And if they, you know, they'll ask me how my day went, and I try to tell them it is, and then try to get them to open up about how they, their day went. So we try to share feelings in our house and talk things through. And um, you know, when I've had a hard day and I failed or I made a mistake at work, I like to tell them about it and, and how I need to apologize to somebody, and it makes us closer. That's good. Well, great, John. Um, well, just the last couple questions here, um, and uh, I really want to thank you for your time because I, sure. I know you've got a work to attend to. We're here on a on a Monday morning at John Crossman's Crossman and Company headquarters in Orlando. Uh, but um, you you also um, uh, I, I see you all around the state, and you're very prolific on social media. Um, uh, you know, how, how do you use social media? But also, how do you get how do you, how do you get all around the state um, with uh, with all you're doing, I mean, whether it's uh, board meetings or, um, or or things you're doing with the with the uh, various endowments, uh, and uh, you know, um, lecturing, um, plus carrying on your business work, uh, uh, how have you been able to, to manage uh, all of that? Well, you know, the thing about it is, is that I do a, I do a lot of day trips. Okay, so a lot of times, like I, I had dinner the other night with Larry Little on the Miami Dolphins undefeated season team, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but I went down and back the same day. And on that trip, which I do this sometimes, I hired a driver, um, and so I was able to like take a nap on the way down, take a nap on the way back, and then get a lot of work done. Um, but I look, I, I, I leverage social media where I travel. Almost always, I post something about where I'm at and what I'm doing, so that um, I'm raising the flag. You know, so we're in eight states. So if I'm anywhere in the eight states or anywhere in Florida, I want people to connect Crossman to that geographic region. So I try to like make that point. Um, so sometimes people think, gosh, it seems like he's traveling all the time. And I am, but I, uh, you would be surprised how often I'm actually home for dinner or I'm sleeping in my own bed. It's funny. People say the same thing about me because really? I post a lot. And and sometimes I'll have friends that I'll say, oh, like I was in Orlando, but I, you know, I didn't, you know, I'll see that they po- they checked in on Facebook in Orlando. Hey, why didn't you let me know you're in Orlando? Well, I figured you're never here. Right. Well, actually, right. I'm here more than I'm not. I just, right, right, right. I just, it's, I'm not going to post things when I'm sitting in front of the TV or something. Right. <laughs> so, but well, anyway, you're strategic. You're strategic about it, and I, right. I think that's that's the point. Is like trying to be thoughtful. I also, things about social media. I try to share a, share my pulpit, right? So my mo- my media is that, and so I tell charities all the time, hey, if you want me to help you, um, I'm happy to help you. So I got, I had a really nice lunch the other day with um, Alexis Pugh. And we had never met, and we, we have some sort of interest with historically black colleges. We're both we like to support Bethune Cookman and others. And so she mentioned to me the pause for the piece, which was at Blue Jacket Park. And I didn't hear anything about it, but it benefits Harbor House, and it's raising awareness of domestic violence. And so my oldest daughter, uh, Claire, and our dog Pepper, who's a, a puppy Great Dane, uh, she's 55 pounds, and she's a puppy. Uh, but we did that this last weekend, and that was good for us to go for a walk. But also, beforehand, the old people talking about domestic violence, and so I, I got my wife to meet some law enforcement officers and talk about that. So, was, and I also I promote that on social media. So I'm, I'm hoping to bring an awareness to that, that issue, right? So it kind of all comes together, if you will. Okay, John, uh, just a last question here. Um, you, we've talked a, a little bit about your personal philanthropy and some of your uh, personal interest here. What is the role? I mean, for, for me, um, uh, I, I view you know what you're doing 
uh, as a business leader, as a, sort of a you're like a role model in terms of a uh, you you have this successful business. You could be spending a lot of those hours continuing to build the business, continue to make money, serve new clients, and you're con- and you are serving all of your clients. Um, but you also uh, dedicate some time. Uh, we talked about your family, but also uh, to all this philanthropy you do, and 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 you don't just give money. I've I've witnessed this. Um, you give your time. You're out there. Um, in fact, you told me a long time ago, if if you want me to be involved in you know a nonprofit or something, I don't want to just give money. I don't want to just write a check. I want to I want to give my time and my talent. Um, so what? How do you see that as uh, integral to um, other people in the business community? Well, first let me say this: that um, uh, there's you could have a lot better role models than me. Just to be clear about that. Thank you, though. Well, your dad, I'm sure, was yeah, a great well, I appreciate one for that. you. I say the second thing is I have had different seasons in my life, and I've had seasons where uh, I was totally focused on doing business and, and making money, being profitable, and didn't do any charitable stuff. And I didn't like that season, and I did well, but I didn't like it. And so when I come back to I, I like being involved in communities. So for me, on a personal note, if it did nothing to benefit uh, me or the company, or whatever, I would I would always just do it because that's just part of my DNA and part of how I look at the world, and I think it's important. Having said that. It tremendously supports, I think, uh, my business and, and, and my family, you know, that I think be involved in your community. Like, you know, I'm, I've just uh, did a gift to the, on my daughter's middle school. They're doing a fundraiser, and, I, and, I, then I, and I've told them I'm helping to promote it. Or uh, there was another event uh, at Winter Park High School. My kids aren't at Winter Park High School, but they'll go there. We, we donate it, and we help promote it. I think that's part of a healthy way of living in community, right? And I think that there's a lot of benefit, tangible and changeable, that comes back from that. And I would tell people that if they're not involved in any kind of charitable stuff, like take a step and, and take a step where you're interested. I mean, you know, I just don't want to spend my life watching TV and hearing about an issue and then just talking about the issue. I want to impact the issue. So, you know, if we're looking and we see what happened at Ferguson or we see Baltimore, other places where there was you know, racial you know, unrest, I don't want to sit there and just talk about it. I want to say, let's do something that's actually can help, help resolve the issue. And I can't fix everything, uh, but there's certain things I can touch in my own way and in my own integrity impact. And that's what I ask people to think about. You know, whatever is touching you, pulls at your heart, you know, there's a lot of ways you can help. Let's get out there and help. And not just talk about issues, but like impact the issues. Well, thank you, John. Um, well, if people want to learn more about you, I know uh, Crossman and Company's website is crossmanco.com, um, and they can visit that. Um, and also, um, you can find this book, Career Killers, Career Builders. I'm, I'm uh, assuming it's on Amazon. Amazon. Is there a website or anything? It's on Amazon. It's on uh, Barnes & Noble. And uh, uh, very easy to find. Just Google Career Killers, Career Builders, and you'll find it. And I hope it's a resource. I really I really hope it's a tool for people that it helps them out. Uh, I wrote the book for students and young professionals or, and or the people that employ them. And so I, I hope that's helpful. Great. Well, thank you so much, John, for your time, and uh, we'll, uh, we appreciate you joining us on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thank you so much. It was great to see you. Last night I had a dream that you were taken far from me. Oh, let's not talk about that now. The other day we said goodbye And I thought to myself What if you had really died But let's not talk about that now Cause it's a strange thing to worry The things that haven't happened yet And if you win 
entertain the worry inside your head You're already dead, my friend Ain't that right? You gotta live your life like a leaf on an Appalachian tree oh, Ride the wind to your release Kick it up! Because the longer you spend looking back The harder it will be to get yourself on track But we don't have to talk about that now It's a strange thing, the panic When the needle has in it's your skin And if you entertain the demons inside your head You're already dead, my friend You're already Suffering, the world is our oyster to perceive. We could be poppers or kings. Yes, I believe that we are the makers of suffering. The world is our oyster to perceive. We could be poppers or kings. It's a strange thing to worry for things that. Don't you entertain the worry inside your head Cause it's a strange thing to panic When the needle has in it's your skin And if you entertain the demons inside your head You're already dead, my friend You're already dead, my friend Let's not talk